Do you like connecting and hearing from other youth workers or parents raising teens? Would you like to sit down and have a conversation with them about what they're seeing and doing with young people? On our last episode, we got to do just that as I interviewed my friend and fellow youth ministry worker, Adam Alfredson. Well, we are going to continue with that interview today because Adam has more to share with us. So let's go ahead and get started. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. Last time, Adam joined us to share his personal faith story and offered a quick overview of where he was serving. Now, if you missed episode 40, you are going to want to go back and take a listen. One theme that stood out from our time together centered around young people trying to create their identity. We are picking up right there with Adam offering some insight into the work that he does with young people around identity. So tell me a little bit about some of the work you do or how you connect with young people around helping them to figure out their identity. I'll just use as an example. So this past uh, Thursday, I was in the jail and there's a kid he got connected with the girlfriend and he got same kind of thing as, as me. He got a uh, drug charge and then he had a firearm alongside of that. Um, so he's 16, you know, direct file. So um, in Florida, this is one of five states that do the direct file. So at age 15, you can bypass a judge and then be charged as an adult and be sitting in a cell waiting until you turn 18 or possibly, you know, 17, depending on, on, on the counties and things like that. But, um, so we were seeing, and I, you know, I've had conversations with him, and, you know, the, the kids always like, oh, you used to be in a gang and this and that, da, da, da. and I mean, yeah, I was, you know, like whatever, you know, just, but this kid was, you know, in the same gang that I was in. And so Thursday, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the direct files, they don't usually let me pull them out of their cells and talk to them. They usually, um, I'll talk to them through the door. And, uh, but the Lord showed me favor on Thursday and then one of the guards was like, hey, you can put a chair at the end of the hallway and, and sit down and talk with, with whoever you want to talk with. And, and I sat down with him and just, you know, just started talking with him and, 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 and opening up about uh, gang life and, and how it's not what it, what it is. You know, that that's not that's this isn't ideal. This isn't where you want to be at. And he, you know, he kept asking me, well, you know, well, when did you get out and, and what rank were you at? When you, I said and I laughed at him and he was like, no, I just really, you know, not not, you know, being personal. I just was just curious. I said, I understand that. But I said. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that because that's not who I am. And I, and I, and I just shared with him, I said, look where you're at, look at, uh, um, you know, who, who's contacting you, who are you talking to when you call, um, when you get your phone call, um, you know, two or three times a day, who are you calling? And he's like, my girlfriend, who's now locked up across the street from where he's at. So it's like, you know, so there's no one that he's talking to us. It's all these people that you're in the game with all, all your friends, all your homies, whatever you call them. None of them are calling you. He said, like, I don't I don't have any canteen money or commissary to buy any snacks. I, like, I said, exactly. I said, so so you're literally in here by yourself. I said, you're out in these streets. You, you, you're willing to die and lay down your life for uh, people who don't even care about you. You know, so uh, and I told him, I said, that's that 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 is wrong. I said, I said, in five years, 
where do you want to be at? That, as a matter of fact, 10 years. Where do you said, I want to have kids. I want to be living in Georgia. I want to live, move out of here. And I said, okay, so imagine where me and you are sitting right now, you and your son are sitting right here and having the same conversation in jail. And he was like, man, I don't, that's not what I want from him. I said, I know, but I said, but you can't tell him that's not what you want from him. You have to show him that's not what you want from him. And in showing him, you have to, you know, make a change in your life. And that's that's one of the things I'm, I'm very real and very direct with the kids that I speak with. And I tell them, you know, I, I always hear them out. That's how I start off talking with them, especially in jail. If I never met him before, I sit down and I'll just hear them out. Let them talk. Because a lot of times they're, oh, well, this and that and that, 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 this is what happened. It's not my fault. And it's this. And, you know, it's everybody else. The police don't like me. I'm like, okay. Now just listen. And, you know, a lot of times they'll tell me what they're doing and, you know, selling drugs, doing drugs, whatever, whatever. And I always say, and my punchline, if you will, and this is a running joke in there now, but it's like, and I tell them, I said, okay, but you, what you're telling me is that you're okay with being a statistic. And they'll kind of look at me strange and be like, no, that's not what I said. I said, it's not what you said directly, but that's exactly what I heard come out of your mouth. All these things that you're doing is how you're trying to find your identity, find your purpose in, and, and, and where's it leading you right here, right? This is where you're at. And I said, I said, in the streets, there's three options that you're going to go to, right? It's either jails, institutions, or death. Institution being a, a penitentiary of some sort, a prison of some sort, you know, whether it's high max, uh, super max, whatever, whatever. But you're, it's always going to end in, in three different places. Where do you want to end up? And I said, at this point, you're at a crossroad. Right? You either got to turn right or turn left. And turning left is an about face. You're literally running and changing um, from what you're going to or what you're going into right now. You know, I'll, bring, I'll come in with the notebook and I'm always drawing pictures. And, you know, I'll get into, um, well, as I share the gospel, I'll get into um, the cat and nine tails and what that looks like and, and what that would have um, caused the pain and inflicted pain to Jesus. And I said, that's what you're doing to yourself. You know, you're allowing all these different things to, to tear you down and you've become so hard to it that you're not even realizing it. And it's not just affecting you, but affecting everybody that's around you, you know, and I go back to Jesus and I'm like, you know, look as, as he's on the cross, as he's walking, carrying his cross, how many people were hurting? How many people were crying? His mother was literally at the feet of him on the cross bawling. I said, that's oftentimes what your mom or somebody that you're close to is doing. You're wrecking a home that you don't even realize that, that you're wrecking. Even if it was a broken home to begin with, you're still now adding more brokenness to the peace. And it's not fair to those around you. And I'm, you know, a lot of them have little siblings and I'm like, well, so what are you teaching your, your, your younger brother or sister? And he's like, well, I never want them to be in here. I said, I said, I said, most people don't, but your actions are telling them that it's okay to. So we have to find purpose and meaning in other things. And, you know, and I'll get into even things like, it's like, what do you want to do? You know, there's a kid in the, in the jail. He wants to own his own business his own uh, mechanic shop by the time he's 30. So I told him, I said, okay, so you want to own it by the time you're 30? He's like, yeah. I said, okay, so you have to start right now with planning and, and, and having a vision of where you want to be at when you're 30. Um, and, you know, I said, so start drawing pictures. And the other day he showed, he had a picture laid out of, you know, where his bathroom is, where the office is going to be, where the shop is at. And I encouraged that. I said, look, I said, that's where you got to be because look, in 10 years, 15 years, you're going to have to start sitting down with people and, and, and making business plans and meeting with business owners and, and you know, where you're going to get your products from, where, you, you know, where you're going to get your workers from, where you're going to get um, clientele from. And it says, but in that too, right now you're in here. So 
you're carrying something with you. So you're going to have to be prepared to share and to explain how this isn't who, who, who you are. This is not your identity. You're defined by something else. This piece of paper doesn't define who you are. And then I share that because I have to do it all the time. Like it sucks. But also I use it as a blessing because it allows me to open up and to share my heart and to share who I truly am with people as, as they ask these questions. So that young man that you had draw that picture, mm-hmm. you gave him hope. And a mm-hmm. lot of times I talk in the youth ministry field or any field where we're serving others in ministry, we're hope dealers. Mm-hmm. And exactly. how many of the young people that you encounter and that when you first meet them in jail or in the school that you help to minister to or in your neighborhood, how many of them don't have hope? I'd say all of them, honestly, all of them, none of them, because, you know, unfortunately, um, they're just in survival mode. Parents, you know, a lot of them are just with mom or, or grandma or, you know, dad in and out. But a lot of them are in survival mode. So a kid in, in, in one of the schools that I that I uh, mentor is uh, his dad has been on the run for a few years from the police. And, you know, you can see it in, in his in in his uh, actions that he's disappointed um, sister. He has this older sister who's in college and she's doing amazing, amazing things with her life, but she was born without arms. So he battles with that and he's been fighting with people, you know, for years over that. And he just, he carries a lot of stuff, um, and doesn't ever focus on what he needs to be doing and doesn't have hope, you know? So we encourage him in there. Like, look, I like to point out, the leadership qualities and the things that I see in him and encourage him and build him up as the Bible says to edify your brothers and sisters. So we, we try to edify him and build him up and to show him, you know, the strengths that are in him and, and, and not focus on the negatives and, 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 you know, just, you know, having to care for your sister or, you know, wondering where your dad's at or, or if he's going to end up dead or who know, who knows. There's just, just so many different things. And then there's a kid, in our neighborhood, we do a group actually at our home on Saturday nights. We'll do that tonight. Um, there's a kid uh, that we've grown so fond of. Like we almost pretty much adopted him. He's our son. We call him our son. Um, but he's gay. And most people are like, oh, what? What? Your son is gay. Like you've adopted a son. I was like, yeah, why wouldn't we? Like Jesus tells us to love everybody. And, you know, he, when I met him, had no hope and he still battles with with, with um depression and things but when i met him he you know my my one of my younger sons aaron who's nine they were outside playing football and aaron you know told him oh my parents go to church and so one day uh this kid asked me he said oh you go to church and i'm like what yeah yeah we do you know and then there was a bunch of kids around so I, I, I didn't pry into it but then like the next day i was cooking and i and i told him let's come in my house and i'll sit down in my, at, at, at my breakfast buffet and and, and let's talk and I said, why did you ask me that question? And um, he said, you know, when he was going to a church um, where he used to live, um, somebody told him that he was going to hell because he's gay. And I was like, mm. and uh, so I just shared hope with him. I was like, look, I said, listen, I said, just because you're gay doesn't mean you're going to hell. I said, the only way you're going to hell is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I said, and in that, when we when we build and, and, and continue to walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ, things start to fall off of us and things start to change. And, and, and you know, that that no longer matters, you know, but just navigate it and, and walk through love um, with that with him. And, and 
you know, our home is now a safe place for him. Our home is now like he'll come over here and, and just get a peace of mind or just to be loved on. And, you know, he, one day he told me, he said, you like a dad to me. So now I play on that and I call him son. And, you know, we always hug on him and love on him. And then and, and I'm teaching him how to, um, to uh, receive love from a man that's healthy. His, his, he has a dad, you know, and then was embarrassed by who he is. And so he's been turned off by any male figures, any men in his life. He does want nothing to do with it. And um, so one time um, he was walking, I don't know what, what happened. He was upset and he was walking down the road. It was actually Thanksgiving. And he was supposed to go to his cousins and he didn't. He was the only one at his house, him and his older brother. And his older brother didn't really care. He's 18 and he's just like, whatever. But um, so I went and I chased him down and I told him, and I just said, get in my car. And I brought him home to my house and, and we made a plate for him. And he just wanted to leave. And I said, look, I said, listen, I said, if you, I said, don't walk off. It's too late. It's dark. I don't know what's going to, you know, some, anything can happen, but um, go upstairs and just sit in my son's room. If you, if you need to be alone, just go sit, just be alone, be, have some quiet, have some peace. And that's what he did. He went and sat. And then finally, after an hour or two, he came down and then he ate and, you know, he engaged and, and, and laughed and started enjoying time. That's kind of what I do. Just, just, that's that hope that I want to bring to people. Like, it's okay. There are still people out here that love you um, without expecting anything in return that want to see you um, be healthy and, and, and be safe and, and learn how to love yourself and love others. The love of Christ is going to um, be so much more stronger than anything that we could ever bring to the table. There was a time, um, a Sunday night, me and my wife had went to dinner and one of our friends came over with the kids and was making Christmas cookies. And he stayed here. And I told him, I said, no one else is in the house, but he can come in. And, and if he wants to, we've always, we always allow him in. And he, 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 he never done that before. He got to make Christmas cookies as a family with the kids. It, it's, it's growing on him and we can see the change and also trying to develop him into a leader because he is, he has very, very strong leadership qualities. He just doesn't have the confidence and the understanding of what that looks like. Don't you think like, so I've been subbing a lot in the public schools this year, particularly in the high school. And that is something that kids are always caught off guard. Like when I say to them, oh, I see, I know you can do this. Or Mm -hmm. is that really your best? Because I know there's better in you. Like Mm -hmm. you didn't even try this assignment. Let's try and get it. You can do this. And Mm -hmm. they're just caught off guard that someone who doesn't know them very well believes in them. And I think that to me is part of the heart of youth work. It is seeing the value and speaking the value that we see in young people to them. Yeah, absolutely. Because you see it here in the neighborhood. We're like, all right, you know, we need to see all your grades when they come out. And if they got good grades, you know, we'll go buy them a bag of chips or something. Just just to encourage them. Well, um, he had the first nine weeks, he had a few Ds. I think he might have one F or something. Not the greatest grades, but not like horrible. And then yesterday... He was like, "Oh, Mr. Haddon, you, you you ain't seen you have you seen my grades yet?" I said, "How would I have seen your grades? I don't have access to your to your account." He's like, "Oh, okay." And he pulled, he opened his, he opened up his grades on his phone, and he had all all A's all A's and once he had one C, one C, and he was so proud. He's out. He said, "I treated myself today. I went by myself a bag of takis." And I said, "You should." I said, "I'm proud of you." I said, and I and now uh, you know. Then he showed my wife Stephanie, and and um, she's like, "Oh, okay. You know how to you know how did you do that?" You know, how did you get, how did you jump up so far? And I was like, oh, the ticket was a little bit of encouragement. And he kind of looked at me and smiled. And he's like, yeah, you know, because I was like, I said, we encourage him, you know, because we saw that. We saw you got a D. Okay. You know, I said, how hard do you try? 
in that class. Uh, you know, I, I, I turned to work. I said, well, that's not trying. And I said, an F tells me that you haven't tried at all. Like you didn't put any in any effort. You don't have to do anything to get an F. All of them, I encourage them all to try, you know, do your best efforts. If you do your best and you get a C, that's great, you know. But your best efforts most likely will result in a B or an A if you really try. And that's what, and it proved that to him. So he was so excited and so ecstatic about it. Right. And that, and I think those are the small successes, you know, burnout is real in ministry Mm -hmm. overwhelm, or you feel like you're not seeing the progress. Like you talked about your dad and he's not here to see some of the things that you're doing. And -hmm. I think that's a reality in youth ministry. We may just be planting the seeds or watering the seeds and Mm -hmm. we don't get to see the full picture. And -hmm. I think that plays into our burnout at times, because if we can see those successes, that keeps us going. So how do you manage burnout? How do you manage to keep yourself from being discouraged or to keep going when it's hard, when you're not seeing the fruits of your labor? Um, (laughs) I think with me, it's just, it's reminding myself uh, that they need somebody. And if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? Like I said, like I shared before, like I didn't have that person growing up. I didn't have somebody willing to invest into me eternally. So that's what, that's my drive. Um, You know, and and also in that though, I I take time, like Sundays are kind of like you put, you know, on your post, you know, closed on Sundays, you know, but the Sundays is, is, unless it's necessary, is off limits. Like we, like there's kids at our house all the time. Like right now there's kids downstairs outside in the yard playing football, whatever. But um, Sundays is, is a no, like my kids, yeah, you can go outside, but do not bring anybody to our house. This is family time. We, I cook, we eat as a family. We just hang out. We go to church. We may go run a few errands or whatever, but I keep that, that time very um, secluded to just family. You know me and the same with my wife. Like it's very um, important that we do that to, to kind of rejuvenate and then to go back in on Monday and be like, okay, okay. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. But it's okay. I've been rested. I've, I've you know, I've, I've, I've got my family time. I've gotten, um, you know, that peace of mind. And even at nights, like, um, you know, I just, you know, that's my quiet time. That's when I'm reading. That's when I'm studying. Um, that's when I'm taking my classes is at night. So just to, just always doing something to pour into myself. And then also having, you know, a mentor to, to speak life into me and, and to keep me grounded as well is very important and very crucial. Because like you said, it is, burnout is very real. And, you know, there are times when it's just like, oh, gosh, like, I don't, I don't even want to do, I don't want to do it today. I want to, I just want to be done. You know, who's, where's my help? Can somebody help me? Can someone come alongside of me? No one else cares. Why, 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 why? But then God, you know, suddenly reminds me like, look, this is where I placed you. This is where they need you. This is where I need you in this season. You know, it's going to be okay because I'm going to make a way for it. So that kind of helps me as well. Adam just finished sharing some ideas on how he avoids burnout. My challenge for you this week is to think about the ways that you pour into yourself, how you rejuvenate yourself so that you can keep serving. If you can't identify anything, then that's a good sign that it's time to put a strategy in place. We'll begin the next episode discussing what it looks like to move on from heartache when we see a young person failing and not moving forward. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9.37 tells us, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.